Here's a question. What do you want from your football club? A seat at the ground, a pie, a pint, three points of an afternoon out, seeing your mates. What about promotion? That's the kind of community stroke football side of it, right? About meeting your friends, about being in that moment, about feeling part of something, about ownership, about fans, about being part of something. But for that to happen, it's also about transparency. It's not all about money being bad, but about not all intentions being good. It's about fans being involved. Berry fans at the moment are not involved. They're desperate. They don't know what to do. How do they get their club back? This weekend, they were meant to be involved. They were meant to go through the turnstiles, find their regular seats, sit down next to their mates, talk about 90 minutes of football in front of them. But for the fourth time, it's off. Saturday then at three o'clock, they are planning to turn up at Gig Lane to let the owner know they're serious about their club. No one doubts that. But will he listen? This is about the state of English football. This is about what we want for the future of our game. Brighton, Newport, Accrington, Wimbledon, Bolton, Bury. It's about all of us. The pyramid, not the colour of the shirt. We've more in common than divides us. This is about football. And Bury, we still have you. We really do. This is the Totally Football League show. Meet Caroline Barker then, here with your latest dose of football league goodness and the not-so-goodness. Here to help us all through it, holding our hands as always, the doctor of football stats, it's former Arsenal, Southend and Stevenage winger, Adrian Clark. You could have been a doctor, could you not? Definitely, 100%. Nursing us along the way, the man with more scouting reports than... You. It's former Swindon Luton and Exeter striker Sam Parkin. Good morning. Or Sammy Parkin, as will become a bit clearer later on. Yeah, every night it used to just be Swindon supporters and girlfriends, but it seems to have expanded over the years. I'm uh, all right with it. I might as well break it to you now. Neil Harris, there's another great Sammy Meets coming up. <laughs> and I'm saying Sammy Meets because all Neil Harris, Millwall manager, calls him the whole way through Sammy. <laughs> all right, Sammy. Uh, more of that to come. And treat him with kindness because. He's late. From William Hill, it's Joe Crilly. Hello. Although no one would have known that had I not said it. I know. Is it my turn to be uh, bored out by you this week? No, because <laughs> I, think, I think as a Bolton fan, you've got enough on your plate. It's <laughs> tough. Anything changed? Ken Anderson and Lawrence Bassini are in court as we, as we speak. So, so should I'll, we not say anything? Because it could all change by the I'll, time you listen to this. Exactly. I will uh, keep updated if anything does happen. On the hope scale, though, where's the arm at the moment? Oh, we've got a point against Coventry. That's quite good. Average age 19, yeah. is it? Uh, the oldest player was 24. Uh, that was the only senior player. Next oldest, I think, was 20. And then the rest of them were, were kids. And By all accounts, had a fantastic game and defended very stoutly. Coventry did have three goals disallowed for offside, but... <laughs> the same goal. <laughs> yeah. But Which was amazing. That, uh, that just shows that the defence was... Uh, Holding a, a very good line. <laughs> we we jest. You're right, Sammy. But it's actually the the effort from these Bolton players. How long can that last, though? Clearly, if you're not getting paid, if stuff's not happening around the club, then that's going to affect you. But how long can, can effort and wanting mm. to fight adversity and hearing certain brilliant stuff from their manager as well over the past couple of weeks, how long can that keep you going? It's very difficult, and I think last night's a perfect example of it against Rochdale because you—it was brilliant the scenes and scoring the goal and 
these lads are going to would be playing on training grounds. You know, they're thrust into the the first team picture, and you could see the the jubilant celebrations when they scored. But to maintain that concentration when you're playing against seasoned professionals, yeah. Rochdale were pretty strong last night. So I think that's a, a good barometer as to where they're going to be with such a youthful team. 5-2 yeah. defeat in the Difficult. cup against Rochdale. Yeah, well, I mean, those kids will play for free because they're getting the yeah. they're getting invaluable experience they wouldn't otherwise be getting, yeah. but but ultimately they they won't be good enough and, and the team will get relegated. So something's got to change. Now, how'd your hope arm um, around about this stage that we've just explained it all? Cheers, lads. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> lads, lads, lads. Sorry, mate. Uh, anything else from the Carabao that you want to mention over the last 24 hours? Totally uh, on tour. Oh, both of you were out and about at the same venue, hence the, the Neil Harris interview we're going to hear later from Sam. Very hearty lasagna, potatoes and garlic bread. I Perfect summer up. meal. I actually doubled up. I've got a confession to make. I used my food voucher up on a pie. Right. And then the, the commentator that I was with hadn't used his food voucher up and said, do you want to go and get some lasagna? I'm not hungry. So I doubled it. Does pie and lasagna go? Well, I had them at separate times. <laughs> yeah, but, but not still, listening, it's one, one sitting on top of the other in your stomach is what I mean. You've got one that's very heavy, a pie's laying well, down, and then the pasta's coming on top of that. I was a little bit deceitful. I, I kind of cheated my way to two meals when you're only really allowed one. So, so look, I, I still slept okay last night. So <laughs> Yeah, but that would make me sleep midway through the, the first half. <laughs> She's still talking about this that, combo. That was a bit of a concern for me. That did flash through my mind because I had a bit of a, I had a run yesterday morning as well, and I was thinking, oh, I could nod off if this is a particularly yeah. entertaining. Yeah. No, it was, uh, I'm feeling all right. Quadruple carb. I was only worrying about you. Dream Sislak asks, morning. Wanted to know how many goals will Eddie and Keitia score in the championship? A twenty-five, B twenty-seven, or C? 30. Given our record for predictions, Mr. Clark, you've watched mm. the young Arsenal loanee several times. How many is he going to get in the right, championship? Right, too conservative on the tweet there. It'd be at least 40. Really? Uh, no. <laughs> the, look, he's, a, he's, a, he's a really talented boy. The service he'll get at Leeds as well. The service is excellent. There's so many good creators there. It's all about movement. He's what I'd describe as an accomplished all-round striker. And I do think that he will top the 20 mark this season, which... If he does, would be a fabulous achievement because he is still a rookie, of course. And Ketia then, in that 3-0 win over Salford in the Cup, you were asking Dream Sislak how many to score. He will top the 20, which doesn't answer any of those because he went 25, 27 or 30, although he did say 40. Thank you. You can get in touch with us at The Totally Show. All that dealt with then, let's head into the Championship. You're listening to The Totally Football League Show in association with William Hill. Championship headlines for you then in the company of Adrian, Sam and Joe. Charlton continuing to show that our predictions are, well, their winning start to the season continues. One of only two clubs to do so. The other, Clarky being? Can't remember. Sheffield Wednesday. I was just daydreaming there, sorry. (laughs) All three relegated clubs got their first points at the weekend. Fraser Campbell's joined Huddersfield on a two-year deal. Stoke have moved from champions-elect to relegation threat. That's all sorted. Anyone want to talk about any of the above? Well, I saw Charlton v Stoke at the weekend. Ever so impressive, Charlton, and they've done some fantastic business. So, yeah, we're going to have to maybe go back on our pre-season predictions very early you know I, th- I think 10 12 games will get a better idea but Cullen getting him back from West Ham yeah. and Connor Gallagher was the player that surprised me to a degree at the weekend like Nketiah for Adrian player that I've seen through the ranks at Chelsea 
Not seen him play as high up. He played right off Lyle Taylor, 4-2-3-1 in the first half. Lacked confidence to begin with and just played his way into the game. And in the second half, he was magnificent, along with Johnny Williams and, and Cullen was, was fantastic. And he scored a brilliant goal, Gallagher. Johnny Jackson uh, on the training ground had worked out that Stoke leave a little bit of space at the near post. Lyle Taylor moved into that space, set it back for Gallagher to oh, finish. It was a great goal. It Brilliant was one of those routine. goals which you could see building from the, the press box and you think, oh, they're going to put it in there. And as the the momentum built in the in the crowd and the finish was Let's sublime not underestimate well. the flick. That flick mm. of the near post as the ball's coming towards you, bobbling towards you. He made that look a lot easier than it was. It was fantastic. The, the, the one concern I have for Charlton is they tried to play out and they utilised um, the, the new rule in playing out to the centre-halves. But Lockyer... And, and Pierce not that comfortable on the ball. And they had Saar, if you think back to last season, and of course Bauer, who's gone off to Preston. So they've kind of lost their best ball playing centre-half. That was the the one concern because of Gregory and Hogan, very hard working mm. for Stoke, nicking balls. But yeah, Charlton, really impressive. Stoke, got good players, really good players. Lots of promise in the performance in terms of the chances they created. But I'm just not sure that he's going to be able to persist with a diamond. The full-backs, Stephen Ward, Tommy Smith so different to what he had last year at Luton. I think Klukas struggles defensively uh, as well in the diamond. Going forward, no problem at all, but I just think the defensive setup is all over the place and, and Charlton actually matched them up towards the tail end of the game, went to a diamond as well and they know it better than Stoke in my opinion uh, and played it better and that was the defining factor in the match. I can see that Mr Tactical wants to get involved in that, but I won't let you because we need to bring in our first guest. And we'll start then with Brentford and their chairman, Cliff Crown, who joins us now. Hi, Cliff. Hi, Caroline. I'm surprised we could get through to your phone because every time I, I see on Twitter, you're on the phone phoning up all your season ticket holders, getting them to renew. Yeah, it's d- done and dusted now. Uh, I did just under 200 calls Blimey. and I've spoken to or left messages with all of them. What, what happens when you tell them who you are and when they pick up the phone? Most are quite surprised. One actually said, am I having him on? But generally, very happy to chat away, talk about how long they've supported Brentford and explain any particular reasons why or why not they're um, renewing. And in many cases, young supporters going off to university. In fact, I've got three all potentially going to Cardiff based on results out this week. Thought I might put them all together. (laughs) Brilliant. Well, imagine that I'm considering buying a season ticket at Brentford. Uh, Where are you going to finish? Are you going to win the league this season? Well, football's a funny old game, as (laughs) someone once said. So uh, there's no guarantees in football. But I think we've made um, uh, certainly a promising start. Even though we lost the first game, we were much the better team. And I think that we're going to be challenging come the end of the season. But exactly where and exactly when, we'll have to wait and see. See, I can tell you're well-versed in practised in that and a good politician's answer so I'll let you have that what about the the new ground then when are you going to be in there and and what impact is that going to have on the team well the ground should be completed around about March April next year and then once we've had our three test events we're planning to have a pre-season friendly as the stadium opener at the end of July 2020 and then of course the first game in the new stadium in either the Championship or maybe even the Premier League, will be the week or two later, depending on whether the first game's at home or away. Cliff, um, how difficult 
is it going to be and how difficult was it to lose Mopai so late in the, the transfer window? And um, do you think that's an area that you may have to strengthen come January? It was always on the cards that uh, Neil would go. So it didn't come as a big surprise. Uh, these things often take time to come to fruition. But we had uh, done a lot of work and we were very hopeful of getting someone in as a direct replacement that didn't actually happen in the end, although we have signed somebody, a striker, who will come in in, in January. But we've got Ollie Watkins and we've got Marcus Force, both of whom will do an excellent job for us up front uh, until Christmas for sure and beyond. If we've got Joe with us, who's a Bolton fan, I wonder with your old EFL hat on, what's happening to Bolton and what's happening to Berry at the moment? When you were involved with the EFL on, on the board there, are you surprised at what's happened to Berry? Did you, did you see it coming and what would you do now with them? It was only sort of bubbling under when I was on the board. So uh, we are very, invariably, we are in the hands of the owners and there was a checkered history there of a new owner coming in and not realising perhaps the level of liabilities that existed. And so we have to work very closely with the owners as part of the EFL to try and help them through this process. But at the end of the day, they have to be able to show that the the club is financially stable Mm. and able to meet a full season's fixtures. And that's currently the big problem. Would you get rid of the, the fit and proper persons test? No, I wouldn't get rid of it. I dare say it needs amending and looking at again. But at the end of the day, we're reliant on owners being uh, astute businessmen. Um, That's not always the case. Cliff Crown, the chairman at Brentford. The the impact on Mopai going, clearly they they knew or they would have had a a suspicion that he was going to go. Those young players that they've had come through Adrian, Sam, they've they've been the real quality at that club. But yeah, it's been a production line, hasn't it? Their, their scouting system is just outstanding, isn't it? They they keep on doing it over and over again in terms of, of, of identifying good young talent, improving them, giving them the platform and then selling them on. Look, Mope wasn't especially young. Well, I suppose he was youngish, but he did ever so well. He deserved his chance in the Premier League and I'm sure they're wishing well. But as one door closes, it opens for, for Ollie Watkins, who I think has the potential to develop into a, a really exciting centre-forward. So um, Bees fans have got plenty to look forward to with Canos and, and Ben Rama either side. Mm. They'll be fine, I think. It's more that the youth is in taking players, recrafting them and, and bringing them through either their age or, or not. Brentford against Hull, big game for them this weekend. I think Hull have got a lot of goals in them. Obviously, Eves has come in. I understand he was excellent at the weekend without scoring, but mm. he's going to give them a different dimension and been able to keep hold of Bowen and, and Grzycki. So, and Jackson Irvin, who is a really good story. And I spent a bit of time with him up in Glasgow. My friend was his agent. And um, yeah, he was really highly thought of at, at Celtic. I probably didn't envisage him coming down to England and having the impact that he's had, but he has developed into a really top player, part of the Australian squad as well. So you can put him into that trio really of players that they've done ever so well to keep hold of but you just don't know do you I mean I I would imagine Brentford will win that game but I would expect Hull City to score it could be a really entertaining one we've got your interview with Neil Harris coming up so let's quickly whip through some other fixtures Luton against West Brom goals 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 where Luton are concerned (laughs) at the moment Sam yeah and uh, you know they only had the one point from the first three games last year and I know some of the Luton supporters are a little bit disappointed after the narrow defeat at Cardiff, but 
getting that victory last night over Ipswich is, is fantastic. They've got that first win now. The goalkeeper's not had a great start, Sluga. I think he was probably at fault for certainly the first goal, maybe the second. But... He made, some he made some fantastic saves in the, in the first half. And, you know, that's what the Luton fans have been talking about, that he kept them in the, in the game to a degree. So that's a little bit of a problem. Because at, that at the was moment. the same against Middlesbrough, as you say. Mm. So it's kind of press repeat, isn't it? How long it? do you give it? How long do you give it if you're the, the manager here? Because the goalkeeper last season on route to mm. promotion didn't do anything wrong. No, and he was given, he was given the backing, wasn't he? The young player, Shay, Sh isn't it? Mm. Um, James Shea. Sorry, James Shea. He took it with, with both hands and had a, a great campaign. I would give him a little bit more time, but you know you can't be too charitable, can you, at the, in the championship level? It doesn't matter how many saves you make if you're letting in goals that, that shouldn't be let in, ultimately. But does it matter if you're a, a striker how many impossible goals you score <laughs> if you miss them at half? No, he's, he's under massive pressure. It's, it's probably three strikes and you're out. He's had two bad games, Sluger. He might have made loads of saves, but he's cost them points, Luton. So... So I think with James Shea there, who may be unfortunate to lose his spot, that's something for him to consider. I'm looking forward to the pass fest. Both teams look to pop the ball around. We were at West Brom last night. They look to keep the ball, don't they? I had 73% of the weekend, West Brom. And Luton at Cardiff had 63%. So they'll both want the ball. The one thing I'm really looking forward to seeing is can Bilic sort out his defence from set pieces because they've been poor all season. They're rubbish against Millwall at the weekend and last night. And Luton have scored from two corners already this season. So so that is a potential avenue, I think, for the Hatters to profit. Both ends as well, because they've got to be a bit more ruthless of Bilic's side. Joe, we'll get your, your views on Luton, West Brom, how that one will go in just a moment. But I want to hear from Neil Harris. This is the latest in Sammy's Meets, a feature that we're going to bring you every time that Adrian can't win in the battle for who interviews who. It's now 2-0 to Sam Parkin. We call it Sammy Meets this week because that's how Millwall boss Neil Harris continues to continually refer to him. I hope I'm not misquoting you, but I think you said it was the end of an era last season was it difficult for you to let go of some of those players that have done the business for you for, for so long and so well oh yeah yeah you know straight, straight away you know in the years like Stevie Morrison leaving for example uh, mate of mine and being my club captain um, and, and vice captain under when Tony Craig was skipper wanted to go on and play and you know decision to be able to let him go you know w w was tough but you know a lot of the players we, we had to change it we didn't finish the second half last season very well and it, it wasn't right behind the scenes and at to deal with a few issues and I made a decision in the summer that if I wanted to do the job and do it the best of my ability I wanted to be able to make changes it's a ruthless league and you can lose games as quick as you can win them so you know we have to make sure that we've got the standards again going into Sheffield Wednesday the weekend but what I do know is the professionalism I've got now in the group the standards they're setting on the training pitch every day and in the training ground and off the pitch is as good as I've known as manager or player You've had some plaudits for the way you set up on Saturday have you consciously made a decision to be a bit more flexible in the way you set the team up or does the championship and the coaches that are in it and the players that are in it now lead itself to that anyway? Well, look, when we changed the squad during the summer, I wanted to have the flexibility to be able to change shape, whether that's a four at the back, three at the back, whether it's uh, the old-fashioned Millwall 4-4-2, whether it's uh, the, the 4-2-3-1, 4-1-4-1, whatever, whatever system we want to play, I wanted the flexibility to be able to do it, and I wanted to have personnel to be able to make the changes um, before or during the game. 
I feel I've got that in, in, in the group now and that's down to me to manage to get right. But the players deserve the plaudits because they're the ones that go out and, and, and within the changes in the setup of it, they're the ones that go out and perform. Last one, and I appreciate it. it's a difficult question, but for, for, for you, what's your ambitions? Do you see yourself creating a dynasty here as you, you know, becoming a legendary manager as you already a legendary player, or do you have the ambitions to maybe uh, manage in the top flight? Yeah, I think I think like you do when you play, you you want to you want to manage like you do when you play to the best of your ability. I'm very fortunate in the fact I've got a very privileged job managing Mill Football Club, and I understand that more so than probably any any anybody within the game you know, my, my time and connection with the club can be a tough gig at times <laughs> imagine our club but it's a thoroughly enjoyable one but I want to be the best I can as a coach and a manager and, and keep developing I, I just I just want to have a team out there that, that, that can push up the division and that, that can be better than the last year because we got, we got to eighth we got to eighth two seasons ago let's not forget that and I feel what, what I've achieved at the club so far you know, has been a real achievement in, in two playoff finals, promotion, eighth place in the championship. But then staying up last year was probably my biggest achievement, if I'm honest, of, of all of it, Sammy, because it was a tough year. It was a real tough second half of the season. A lot, a lot of things that went on that, that um, you know, we had to deal with, and, and you know, it was, it was an honour to be able to stay up and, and, and rebuild in the summer. And, and the message to my players and, and the group and to the fans is. You know, we're not the finished article. We know we're near it at the moment. We're developing. We're getting better, and we've got to keep doing that. We can't stand still as a club because the championship doesn't stand still. Um, um, so we've got to keep moving forward. Cheers, Chopper. You're a gentleman, and I'll keep telling people you're the best finisher I've played with. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Sam, Sammy, with Neil Harris. Uh, was he? Is he the best finisher? He's not here. Genuinely, that you've ever played. Yeah, gen- genuinely. I made my debut alongside him and I was very fortunate. It was written in the stars, really, because it was against Oxford and obviously I went on to, to play for Swindon. I scored two and uh, Chopper went on and scored three on, the, on my first game. We beat Oxford 5-0. So, and it continued in that vein for the next three months. Um, yeah, everything in his armoury and, um, and obviously uh, Neil had his, his illness and that may be setting back a, a degree. If it wasn't for that, who knows what he could have achieved and I'm saying this with him still having become Millwall's record goal scorer yeah, and having right. an incredible career he was every type of goal I said to Adrian last mm-hmm. night receive it you know when there's players tight to him in and around the box he could wriggle and strike balls he could bend balls he could score headers tap-ins and he had a real confidence for someone who'd come out of non-league as well incredible will to win and he was a great example to me being a young lad at that stage and we get on really well and I was only there a short a short period but I always enjoy speaking to him about football always had a camaraderie with the Millwall lads and I was only there a brief time so it's a club you know probably in the EFL the second one I look for after Swindon and it's that kind of camaraderie that they're building on this season He, he spoke about as well to you I know about the rotation of the squad three top sides now unbeaten that they've played. That was a a 2-1 win over West Brom that you both witnessed last night. So that's a key moment when we can bring in Luton against West Brom. Then, Joe Critter, you can take into account the cup results. I'll let you, or not. Well, Luton have had a really tough start, haven't they, in the the championship. They played well, um, but they've had two very difficult fixtures and this is uh, going to be exactly the same I think uh, they are favourites to win at 13-8 to eight. West Brom just a, a shade longer at 8-5 to five. and the draw 5-2 to two. but I was just looking at the relegation uh, prices and Luton have actually slipped into the top 3 at that of that market uh, which is quite surprising but they're there at 5-2 to two alongside Charlton with only Reading a shorter price So is it a Millwall out of that now then? 
Yeah, very much so. They've uh, they've drifted all the way out to, to four to one, and and they're they're behind Wigan, Barnsley, and Hull now in the betting. And I was on the wind up with Cliff Crown about Brentford winning the league. That not going to happen. Fifth uh, favourites, uh, but a very big price at fourteen to one. I know you wanted to have a, a quick look, Adrian, at Swansea Preston North End. Yeah, just uh, yeah, Swansea Preston. I think it's an attractive fixture. Preston, after their nightmare start on the opening weekend of have turned it around a bit. What was interesting about about their win against a disappointing Wigan side was that the manager, Alex Neal, dropped four players, including players that have done really well for him. Uh, Alan Brown was among them. He had some difficult decisions to make, but the guys that came in delivered. Lewis Moult, who's, who's not really done a great deal for Preston, came, came up with a good goal. Daniel Johnson, who came in, performed brilliantly and, and made one. So so, so Preston are, are turning things around. Great free kick, by the way, from Gallagher, wasn't it? Did you see, did you see that yeah, one? Yeah. Bent into the top corner. And, and Swansea, I just think that we're maybe underestimating Swansea. Just because they've lost McBurney, their manager, and Daniel James, I'm not, I'm not going to write them off of having a good season. I, I like what I've seen in the early stages from, from Steve Cooper. He's got Young team, mm. they're really well organised by him, and they've got a good goalkeeper. I think Woodman, who started started really well. So, so no, don't don't write them off. They've got a lot of creative talents that can can lay on the chances. The one big question mark is who's going to finish them off. Borja Baston has started the season. Andre Ayew scored a couple in the Carabao Cup, so maybe there'll be a reprieve for him. But yes, yeah, Swansea, who we've not really talked about. I think they might do better than anticipated. Championship done. League one and two to go. Now, do you know what's great? Watching the EFL on Quest. Do you know what's even better? Watching Sam Parkin on the EFL on Quest. Uh, We will get you on there one day soon, Adrian Clark. And you too, Joe. Uh, Anyway, you can watch all the highlights from Saturday's action on Quest and Quest OD. Quest is the home of EFL highlights on free TV. You can find them at Freeview, Channel 12, Freesat 167, Sky 144, Virgin 217, or just go online and watch questod.co.uk. This season, we're working with Quest to bring you some special in-depth features on some of the best games of the season. Watch it. Love it, just like us, on Quest. Freeview Channel 12, Freesat 167, Sky 144, Virgin 217, or just go online, questod.co.uk. There was a time, a time before cable, when the local anchorman reigned supreme. League One, and if you're an A-list celebrity, where are you going to be? Only here. Will Ferrell, and actually, round of applause for, was it Danny Jameson that did it? The game at the weekend on Quest. Oh, very good. Was there 13 references? Yeah, 13 or 14. There were a number of Will Ferrell references in the Portsmouth highlights. Well done, Danny. Uh, You've heard of that enough now, by now. Uh, Southend's Michael Kite. Should we all have a moment for Ian and the retirement of Michael Kiteley. What a player. Is he a big for... fan, is he? Well. Yeah, he'll, he'll pretend he knows about the South End players, but he doesn't really, he just blags it. So this was supposed to be a moment celebrating Kiteley, but we'll just make it as one of those for Ian. <laughs> uh, he says in his retirement, I probably could play on for another year or a couple of years, but I don't see the point, to be honest. <laughs> well, if you're a South End, I'd feel exactly the same. <laughs> listen to the, oh, listen listen to the pre-season predictions and jump ship. Yeah, he's getting out before, before the difficult season uh, runs its course, I reckon. Yeah, it wasn't good last weekend, that's for sure. For for new listeners, uh, Ian is the one that's... Well, how should we describe him? 
He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. And suits so fine they made Sinatra look like a hobo. The real news, though, is Bolton and Berry continue to be troubled by owners and wannabe owners. We were speaking earlier to Cliff Crown about, about that and what the EFL should do. Bassini, as Joe was pointing out, is currently in court as we record this, so we can't say anything else about that. Berry, though, have been given until the 23rd of August, so nine stroke eight days, depending when you're listening on this, to avoid being expelled from the EFL. The league says it has to get satisfactory evidence about how Berry will meet their commitments to football creditors. Well, let's get the latest on the club then. Here's BBC Manchester's Mike Miner. Morning then, Mike, how bright is this morning for Berry or not at the moment? I think in the last 48 hours, it's become brighter by, certainly from the fans' perspective, the knowledge that Steve Dale, the owner, has come out and said he actively wants to sell the club. Ten days ago, he told us at BBC Radio Manchester that the club wasn't for sale, that he was focused on saving the club. Instead, now, I think with the EFL and how they are very resilient on their proof of funds or wanting of proof of funds. Steve has rescinded under pressure and now says that he actively wants to sell. The only problem is he's trying to sell it and to who, and it's got to be the right person. Barry have had two owners that, although Steve will say that he's, he's, he has saved the club with the CBA, two owners they haven't been a fan of at Barry. They now need to find an owner that is just going to settle them down, calm them down, pay the bills and, and move the club in the, the, the best direction forward. The caveats to all of that, though, it's who he decides, isn't it? So it's a, at what point does he decide or deem that that actually is the right person to take the club over? I mean, he could, not to put down on it, but he could keep saying, nah, that, that they're not the right people for the club without anyone else having a say in it. Well, that's right. And he's he said that he's he's spoken to people in the past. Clowns in shell suits is how he's described people that he's met in the past that have wanted to buy the club. We are aware through various fan networks and through uh, the local MP, James Frith, that there are buyers out there who want to speak to Steve Dale. But as you say, he he's outlined what he wants to. As he outlines that this person's got to take on the CBA, they've got to pay off uh, the issues that surround the stadium at the moment. And he'll probably want some money for his own troubles as well. We've asked him what price he wants for the club. He didn't give us an answer on that. And, and so, yeah, at the end of the day, the ultimate decision, although the EFL will have the final say, if to get to the EFL having that say, mm. it's got to go through Steve Dale. Yeah, it's scary times um, with this deadline ticking, isn't it? In terms of the players and the manager who, who who's left at the club, what is going on with them? Obviously, we haven't seen them in action yet. Have they, A, got enough players? And B, have they found matches to play behind the scenes in readiness for the season? Or is that all on hold as well? Well, on that note, uh, the latter point, we, we're not too sure. They have six senior contracted players at the moment. This is what Steve Dale is largely frustrated about with the EFL, that they want to uh, sign players. They've had players in on trial, players from abroad, players that they want at the club who are happy, despite all the negative media, perhaps, who are happy to play for Berry. The only problem is with the, the embargo that's on the club at the moment, they can't sign these players. So even if they did get a game on, who are they going to feel? This is the question. And we're seeing this with Bolton at the moment because they are also in a similar situation when it comes to transfers and signing players that at the end of the day, they're having, they having they might have to field youngsters. The transfer deadline days at the start of September, we just hope that everything can get sorted in that time 
and then the EFL lift the embargo and they can sign players. Um, the, the only shining light is Andy Holt, uh, the Accrington chairman I've seen on Twitter, has said that he took eight days to take over Accrington. If that is the same with Berry, it, it would mean that they would have time to sign players. So we keep our fingers crossed. Mike, there was a, a brilliant thing on social media about a Berry supporter being at the stadium on Saturday when there should have been a a fixture and, and bumping into a, an older supporter and, mm. and really bonding. Could you give us a sense of how the fans are doing and what the plans are for them moving forward? You know, is there is there talk of maybe a Phoenix club and stuff like that already or is that far too premature? No, no, no. There, there are talks of a, of a Phoenix club, of course. Uh, and I think that's, whereas there's a hope for Berry fans there, that is the last resort and the last thing they want as so many social media posts you say is, is reminiscing about 134 years of history at Berry Football Club um, this is a club that twice won the FA Cup in the early 1900s they, 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 they it's not the biggest fan base but it is a very passionate fan base and one that has seen ups and downs over the years they've been here before in terms of financial difficulties they until 48 hours ago they were fearing the worst i think now that steve has offered to sell there is maybe a glimmer of light at the end of a very very long and dark tunnel but they it's still a long way to go the fans at the moment i think are, are just encouraging steve dale to sell they are they are all united in trying to get him to sell. But as we say, it results in who is the man he's going to sell to, who is the person he's going to sell to, uh, and it rests on that. Mike Miner from BBC Manchester joining us. It's the fact that it's all being played out in public. You talk about the fans. I heard someone on national radio yesterday urging everyone to go along at three o'clock and just stand in the car park on Saturday. Another game off, just everyone stand there and just show... Steve Dale, just how much this club means to them. He's hoping to get maybe 1,000, 2,000 people down to that, that car park mm. on Saturday. I know Curzon Ashton have offered that if anyone's got a season ticket for Bury, they can come into their game for free at the weekend, saying that no one should have a Saturday without mm. football. There is generally a, a sense that everyone's getting behind them, but that's all well and good that we can all hold their hands. But then what happens? Someone at some stage has got to step in and say, just not acceptable. We've got to move on. Yeah, you desperately hope it happens. Yeah, I think I think we've covered it all off. They just need to sell that club as soon as possible. Need to start paying their players and their staff and acting in a professional manner. If they want to be a professional football club, Barry, if they want to still have a professional football club, mm. a lot of people have got to get their act in order quickly. Yeah, and don't think that I'm not feeling for you at the moment, Joe, as well, as Bolton continues to rumble on. On our brand new, shiny, beautiful website, thetotallyfootballshow.com, you can read much more on the potential Berry situation, where it might go. Uh, Nick Miller's been speaking with those who were at, at clubs like Aldershot at Darlington about what happens when they disappear and reappear again. There's talk of the Northwest Counties League, whether they'd go in that. Just head to thetotallyfootballshow.com. It's also where you can read more about what Neil Harris had to say to Super Sammy Parkin. This weekend's then fixtures around the corner. Not all about Berry and Bolton, although pff, it is kind of. A Sam Oxford... United up against Blackpool, one that you got your BDI on this weekend. Uh, ben Woodburn's Oxford, I should have said, shouldn't I? Well, he missed the sitter last weekend, so maybe a bit premature. Let's wait for him to get up and running. But two teams unbeaten in the league. Blackpool, very impressive against troubled South End, despite only having 37% of the ball and not as many shots as South End, but a really promising looking front three. Uh, Kai Kai formerly of Crystal Palace, Nanjuleo, a player that we've been banging the drum about. And I understand there was big interest from higher 
League clubs for him at the end of the window. And Nathan Delfonso, who is a really interesting one because high stock as a young player, Aston Villa, lost his way. But I saw him at Swindon maybe two seasons ago and being a striker, I watched him intently and his movement was brilliant. But Swindon were in a, in a phase when they were playing a lot of football and keeping the ball and playing sideways and it was all possession based. But his movement, always looking to get in and I saw him do it, albeit it was against Liam Ridgewell at the weekend, but the movement, fantastic, always on the move, looking to get down the side of centre-halves and a beautiful finish. So he's someone, we speak about Ian Henderson finding a home at Rochdale. Mm. Delfonso, after a nomadic few years, has really found a, a place at Blackpool. And he's got the perfect manager now, and they've got a strong-looking defence as well. He's changed the system. They're playing a three now at the back, and we've got Curtis Tilt, who's a top player, how they've kept hold of him is is miraculous. Ryan Edwards and Ollie Turton at the moment. So expecting big things from Blackpool this season, but Oxford, let's give them credit as well for a majestic start. They have brought a striker in. You'd like a little bit more strength there to complement Jamie Mackey. Um, I, I but, love that. I don't know if you saw the quotes from Brannigan at, at saying that telling Ben Woodburn is serious. You've got to score opportunities like that, mm. that glaring miss that he had. I yeah. just wonder, either of you, when you have... Lone players come in, yeah. maybe and you were the more experienced players in the squad, would you say, look? Well, you, it's, it's real business, isn't it? You yeah. play for points. It, there is a difference, mass, massive difference between academy reserve football and when you go into the league where livelihoods depend on, on results. So it's, it's no laughing matter. In the in the junior football, you can miss chances and you think, that's ah, OK, I'll get another. It doesn't really matter. It does matter. So, um, so no, I think they're right to be on his case. You don't want to knock his confidence no. too much, but, but he's a good particularly player. Particularly what Sam was saying about them maybe being a bit light in, in up front. Yeah, the, st- well, the talk of Matty Taylor, he was at the game last week at the Kassam, which seems or says to me that the deal's almost done. So it's strange that it hasn't gone through. Um, obviously a former player. Yeah, I mean, it's looking good. With J- I love James Henry at that level. And um, you've got Fosu, obviously, who Carl Robinson knows so well. So... Yeah, I mean, Oxford, uh, having looked like they were going to be in, a, in for a really difficult season, securing the manager, long-term contract, unbeaten start to the season, beaten Peterborough twice and drew, drawn at Sunderland. Yeah. They'll be feeling really optimistic. Solid start, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that front three at Blackpool, though, definitely. I think there's a, there's a bit of chemistry there, isn't there? And with that movement at Delphonse, I think the, the vision of Kai Kai, the technical quality that he brings to the table has made a big difference. And... What I think has changed at Blackpool, it, last year it was functional, boring, means to an end stuff, wasn't it really? This time around, I think they think they've got the manager and the players to actually play the football they want to play and still win. So um, this is, this is going to be a really interesting game. If they, can, if they can beat a solid Oxford side, that will tell us plenty. Brief word on Peterborough, Ipswich, you meant? Well, Peterborough, Peterborough, not been great, has it? Lost twice in a row to, to Oxford this week, um, made big changes. The new sign has not worked. Mo- Moisa got dragged at half-time last weekend, and so did Dan Butler, who was so good for Newport last season. So it's not going too well for, for Darren Ferguson at the moment. George Boyd has been sort of used in central midfield. It's... Not a position that I think is best for him, even though he's getting older. I, I think he could be better used elsewhere. So, so this is a high-pressure match for Peter Brewer, who are paying a lot of money to good players at League mm. One level. They can't really afford to lose to an inform Ipswich who are, who are flying. Yeah, that 1-1 with Sunderland at the weekend. Oxford-Blackpool, then Joe Crilly. Who wins that and who wins 
the posh Ipswich game. Uh, Blackpool are favourites, six to five to beat Oxford, who are twelve to five with the draw, nine to four. And uh, Peterborough Ipswich, Ipswich are the favourites at nine to five. Peterborough six to four, and the draw nine to four. We are off for a rattle through League Two next. On Spotify, smart speaker, and podcast platforms everywhere. This is the Totally Football League Show from Muddy Knees Media. League to where I think there's a poem in here that I'm supposed to read about something that rhymes with the class of 92 but I'm going to dodge that because everyone is talking about Salford. I want to talk about Macclesfield and their 3-0 win over Leighton Orient. Their biggest EFL win in eight years. Who was it that said that Sol Campbell's going he won't ride through this season that it'll all be doom and gloom. Good win for Macclesfield. A few of the fixtures to pick out coming up. Bradford Oldham, we'll have a look at that. Newport Plymouth too. We'll get the odds from Joe on that. Other things that happened, a certain Wilfred of the Bony, remember him, he trained with Newport this week and Morecambe got themselves in on the Manchester United players in League Two. Uh, youngster George Tanner has joined them on loan. Low knees everywhere. Anything to pick out from League Two at the weekend or this week, gentlemen? <laughs> well, Wilfred Bony, yeah, training with Newport is, is a really interesting one. Yeah, the, yeah Newport Plymouth, I think, is an interesting match to, to look ahead to. Two good teams, definitely. Plymouth have started the season fabulously. Haven't conceded a goal yet, have they, in, in three games in all competitions? And we were more excited about them going forward than we were at the back. Ryan Lowe is known as being an attack-minded manager, so signs looking great for them, And but it won't be easy at Newport, that's for sure. But yeah, I, I, ju- I just wanted to bring up a story around Newport. I don't know if you saw this at the weekend. They had a bit of a nightmare on the way to Cambridge. First up, there was an admin error from the club, which meant that Mark O'Brien missed the game. Um there's something about filling out the wrong forms. They got the suspension wrong. So so that was awful. Not least for Michael Flynn, had already told someone else that he was dropped and then he had to go back, cap in hand, and say, actually, all that stuff that I was saying, forget it, you're playing. <laughs> so that was funny. And then they made the trip to Abbey Stadium on the day from Newport, which things a bit daft, really. It's a long, long way from South Wales to, to Cambridge. Sometimes needs must. Though, yeah, they? true, true. But But the food... Food didn't get delivered, so they had to make a a pit stop at the services and they ended up getting caught in traffic and they were really, really late. But one of the lads went on his own steam, Ryan Haynes. So he had to be the captain and go and fill in the team sheet before everyone else arrived at the game. Did he fill it out with himself in 11 yeah, different Well, he filled it out positions. with himself as the skipper because yeah, yeah. he had to. That's the rules. I'd have put my dad in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. He could have had a right laugh for it. But... So basically, he was captain for 30 seconds. So he had to do the task. He had to do, do everything. And then 30 seconds in the ga- into the game, apparently, he had to go and swap armbands with Joss Labadee. So it was it was an absolute mess, really, from Newport's point of view. And it was a really boring game, uh, by all accounts, nil-nil draw, uh, which they dominated, I hear. I also saw this week that Newport, their 16-year-old defender, has gone off to be an academy player at, at Fulham, uh, Jay Williams, this week. They still have some good quality coming through at Newport but again it's that balance in the books that we always talk about where you've got to release players bring players in and maybe don't always have the money to go the night before no, no, to look, I play for teams that we would travel on the day I just I, mean, I don't know what you were like I just I didn't I really didn't like going on the day because you'd eat rubbish food yeah. on, on the journey it doesn't matter did you just what, ask Sam you don't know what you were like yeah no I don't know whether you whether you, <laughs> whether you enjoyed rubbish well, food some people didn't like staying in hotels the night before it's different yeah. bed and stuff but for me 
yeah, I didn't think the prep was great, getting straight off a coach to, to go and, and stretch your legs and, and whatnot. And you wouldn't have a proper pre-match meal. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'd have budget sandwiches or something because it didn't, uh, we, we didn't travel on posh coaches at, the, at this particular time where you'd necessarily have hot food, not when I played in the EFL anyway. So I just thought it was a bit amateurish, even though it, it saved money. Um, yeah, where'd you stand on that, Sam? I think towards the end... I'd had enough of staying in hotels right. on Friday nights. And mm -hmm. my youth team manager, Jim Duffy, I think he's still managing actually in Scotland. He, when he was sorting out my professional contract, he said to my mum, there's a bit of a problem with Sam. He doesn't really like being told what to do. <laughs> and <laughs> I think I towed the line, but towards the end being told I had to have chicken and pasta and wear a tracksuit like the rest of the lads and turn up and in reception to have a walk with everyone else at 9.30 on a Saturday morning. I just had enough after so you 20 were a years. Sido Berahino. I was a, a very, very just, good. I was a very good. I was a very good professional, but I didn't like having to wear what everyone else had to wear. Uh, and your mum turned around and said, "What's new? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me something I don't know." Bradford Oldham, Sam. Anything you want to discuss on that? Well, just uh, I fancied Bradford. I think looking at the squad, and um, I had to sit through Bradford Cambridge nil nil on the opening day, which was miserable. Uh, they've been thumped again last night by, by Preston. Yeah. It seems to be a problem getting this um, plethora of good attacking options into the same lineup. I know Doyle, noticed Doyle, played up front by himself last night. He's been playing off the, the central two. Uh, so a bit of an issue there. A lot of discussion amongst the supporters. There is the option to go 4-4-2. They've got Scannell. Anderson, who did I'd, so I'd well. Leave one out. I'd, li yeah. I'd leave one out. I don't think you can accommodate all three because all three are, are strikers, really. Just leave one out. How, many, how often have we seen substitutes come off the bench and, and make an impact? If you've got three good strikers, unleash one on the hour. Yeah, uh, no, I agree. And um, I think playing Oldham, and we've been speaking about Bolton and Berry, another team in the Northwest, you know, there's a lot of problems at that football club 16 players I think brought in in the, the summer I think we've got a good idea who's bringing in these players probably David Wheater aside who was a big miss last weekend defensively yeah. all over the place and no shots on target no. uh, against Forest Green no corners 16 fouls for Oldham yeah yeah and Chris Porter was at Oldham many years ago and he mm. got two for crew coming to the tail end of his career Physi physically dominated them in the air on the ground as well. I think they're both 22, the centre-halves they had last year. And if you think of what they had at their disposal last campaign, Peter Clark, uh, Edmondson, who's obviously gone off to Rangers, Callum Lang pulled up trees on loan from Wigan, Everson in goal. This is looking like a very thrown-together Oldham squad. A new manager, Laurent Benide, is going to have his work cut out to get any kind of tune out of them. I expect Bradford to get their first win of the season. Yeah, Oldham won crew two in League Two at the weekend. Joe, is he right in expecting that first win? Sorry, which match are we talking about? <laughs> Brad, Bradford, Bradford, Bradford Oldham. Bradford Oldham. Right. Oldham are 130 to win this away from home, so a very big price at Bradford. Odds on. Five to six to win this one, so. What about Newport Plymouth? <laughs> Um, Newport five to four, Plymouth eleven to five, and the draw twenty three to ten. Abby, who's our producer, is going to Lake Norrence Stevenage, so um, wants to know whether it's worth going to Joe. Well, it is Lake Norrence, great. I love going there. Um, <laughs> what result is Abby after? 
She doesn't know. Any oh, result. She She's after any result. Okay, any win, result. Leighton Orient favourites to, <laughs> to win the game at 11 to 10. Stevenage, 13 to 5. The draw, 23 to 10. And let's have a look at the uh, total goals. I'll tell you what, Leighton Orient, 5 0, 80 to 1. That would be worth going to five see. 5 0, 80 to 1. It would, but 81, 80 to 1, it's probably not going to happen. Lee? Five, five or more goals in the game. This is disintegrated into yeah. may, I, mean, I, I don't know where this has gone. I'm, I'm feeling the effects of your lasagna and pie combination at the weekend. It's all got a bit stodgy. Next week, Mr. Clark, where are you going? Is it going to be 2-1, Sam Parkin? Who are we going to hear from? Well, he's laid down the gauntlet, hasn't he? I'm going to have to uh, pull in a few contacts. Yeah, I'm not sure where I'm going just yet, but uh, I shall endeavour to come up with the goods. Wherever you've gone is wherever you'll end up in the future or some such lark. I'll leave you with that. You can put it on a T-shirt. Adrian, Sam, Joe and you as well at The Totally Show for your thoughts. Thanks to everyone that's got in touch. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com.